Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Scooby Radio is brought to you by Green Line Movers. Green Line Movers is New Jersey-based, East Coast branched. Visit www.greenlinemovers.com. Being one of the most trusted names in moving service, you'll get first-class treatment for your belongings for both your residential, commercial, and flat-rate moving needs. Your moving process with Green Line Movers is in three easy steps. First, call 973-362-5736 to get your free-of-cost estimate. Secondly, you'll get your estimate. And lastly, once you get your moving date, you'll be packed up and ready to move to your destination. Seems pretty easy, right? Well, what are you waiting for? Pick up the phone now and call 973-362-5736. And while you're at it, tell them Scoop B sent you. Scoop B Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bonds said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading up words from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The joint and the journalist. The GOAT. So why ask? Watch out. If Watch out. About it, if he naming them. Scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoopy. Follow him. Yes, sir. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoopy Radio. Overtime. Scoopy Radio. In your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram at Snapchat Scoop underscore B. Most importantly, subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast on all streaming platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, iHeart, or simply by visiting ScoopyRadio.com. Honor privilege right now to sit on the podcast with a guy. It's been at it for a while, it's none other than Dane Dash. Dane, what's going on? What's going on, boy? How are you? Man, trying to make this streaming thing happen. Basically, you know, that's the way the future of the way it is. 
It's the way to now. It's the way to future. And it seems like you are in the now and in the future. You're relaunching not only your Dame Dash Studios, or you have your Dame Dash Studios, but you're also relaunching the app or you're starting the app. Tell me a little bit about, or as much as you want about uh, Dame Dash Studio, because it's, it's very interesting to me. That's it playing in the background. But, um, you know, I, re- I launched the app, and the innovation is that it was all programming that was made by, you know, I didn't outsource. So you had full programming to the point of view from someone that's like us, you know, and me. And, you know, everybody has an app now. So I was relaunching the app where while you're watching and you're inspired, you can actually buy without disengaging. So, you know, for me, with the uh, pandemic, retail had to exist from in the house. And I think it's interesting shopping network to have that same concept where the clothes are actually in the content and you can buy it while you're watching it. All the clothes will be made by me or someone that is, you know, have the ability to sell it. So if you're watching me eat and you see the Beyond Meat that I'm mm-hmm. eating, pause, then you can buy that. You know, if you see, because I'm diabetic and some of the programming revolves around diabetes, I'm pricking my finger, I'm using one drop, then you can buy that. And then also, you know, the point of, point of view of the app, you know, I've added some more um, partners. So I have OSG Network, which is 90 principles curated by Dennis McKeezy and mm-hmm. all the content um, as it relates to uh, curriculum and just helping, you know, the children and finding a better way for them to learn in a time like this. Um, especially at a time like this. And also, you know, the Galaxy Network with Billy Carson. So that's talking about the translation of the Emerald Tablets and where we're really from as far as spaceships and, you know, where Anunnaki's or come from Anunnaki's and blah, 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 and all that. Right. And, and not to say blah, 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 but, you know, so real. Sure. And then the Yasquad, you know, where systemic racism comes from is the fact that, you know, from the day we're born, if you're not an intelligent black man, you might think Jesus was the right name for the name or the right interpretation <laughs> of the name. And also that Jesus or whoever they're interpreting Jesus to be is white. And the name is Joshua. And nothing happened in Europe. So why would the interpretation be a European interpretation? Why would the picture of that person be, you know, blue eye with blonde hair. And, you know, again, just dealing with the history of, of scripture is involved in that as well. Then there's the commission, you know, and that's all of them collectively, you know, Senator Andre Carson, Congressman, I mean, Senator Eddie Milton, Congressman Andre Carson, Bishop Purnell, Dr. Chris, um, you know, therapists like Taj and Melanie, you know, do it all, you know, OSG, all of that. So there's also consciousness within the and 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 and, and evolution for us within the uh, app as well. Dan, it's interesting that you bring up blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus for this reason, and you talk about consciousness. Um, Brooklyn Nets point guard Kyrie Irving tweeted, "Racist Europe and racist America cannot hide from its brutalizing acts of terror and murder." God judges them now. Then he went on to say in another tweet, you better stop playing with history. You better stop lying to your people. 
Europe and America. You better stop feeding BS to the innocent children of God. The original people are returning. And this time, God will intervene in every corner of the earth. When you look at people like Kyrie Irving or basketball players, particularly in, in the pandemic where a lot of folks have been vocal, how does that make you feel? You know, I love the fact that we're becoming conscious, apologetic, not trying to fit in, just really trying to tell the truth as a culture, you know? And, you know, he's a dude that's dead nice with that with the pill. Like, he's nice. You know, he's the best at what he does. So, you know, most of the time when someone is smart enough to be really good at something, you know, they're probably smart enough to be good at everything, including history mm-hmm. and how they're receiving it. And it's great when someone that has that kind of influence and that kind of basketball swag is saying some really smart shit like that. You know? <laughs> nah, that's real. Tell me something. Is New York a Knicks town or a Nets town now? I'm in L.A., so I don't know. You know <laughs> that's real. I, you know, I know I'm losing with the Knicks. You know, I like the wedding. But right now, the superstars are at the Nets. Sure. You know? I can't. I can't see him losing. It's just too much power. You know, problem with this. It's too much power. But I'm looking forward to the pandemic being over, and me coming out there and checking out some games. You know, that's real. Um, why is the mantra being your own boss so disruptive towards the modern day nine to fiver? I mean, it just totally contradicts what they're doing. You know. Makes them seem, you know, someone that, and again, I don't have a problem with people. Oh, you got to survive. But while you're surviving, you got to use some of your time and invest it in, you know, your dreams. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't really know life without being a boss. I just think it's scary to people that are used to having things done or being used to giving them, having people give them things or, you know, used to asking questions instead of having the answer. It's just the narrative of your life, you know, and what you want to be. Like, who doesn't want to be a boss? You That's know what I mean? That's real. That's real. What part of Dave Dash's journey before starting Rockefeller is unknown to the public? I mean, I've done a lot of interviews, so I think the fact that I went to boarding school, you know, that I put myself through boarding school when I was 16, the fact that I raised my son Boogie as a single father, you know, while I was actually running all the things I was running in Rockefeller, you know, those are the things that meant the most, you know. I feel like when you talked about going to boarding school, I remember watching backstage and some other interviews where you talked about, you know, going to boarding school. I feel like could guys that were from the inner city did not freely talk about going to, 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 to prep school, boarding school, like a lot of these guys do now. Did you feel like did you? Why didn't you talk about it? Did you think it wasn't cool back then to talk about it as much as you talk about it? Like, because I feel like I always talked about it. Backstage was twenty years ago. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like the question is: Were people listening? You know, that's true. I, I never felt the way it was a stat. Nobody paid for me to go to boarding school. You know, I went myself. I put myself in boarding school, so that was always gangster to me. A guy like me doesn't usually do something like that. You know, what did you learn? In boarding school, but they're not better than me. Hmm, that's what I learned. That's real. I feel like 
Um, when, and also, also when I was in boarding school, I stood my ground. Okay. So if let's say there's me and a thousand white kids, one kid said the wrong thing, I was setting it on everybody who didn't. That was on their side. So usually everybody was on my side. So I didn't even racism. I didn't even feel it. I was scared to be racist around me. You know, no, that's real. And, and that's how my family's always been. It ain't just me. I've been talking to my family lately, and it was like we never took that from them. That's just a family thing. We always knew that nobody was better than us. Everybody isn't from Harlem. So other than the instincts and lessons you learned growing up, uh, hard work being one of them, what is it about you that allows you to continually be a success? No fear. I'm not scared. You know, I'm continually looking to conquer. I'm a conqueror in my spirit and my soul and my heart. You know, when I see something's wrong, or if I see an industry that doesn't behoove my, me or my culture, I come in there and make sure it does. And I shake shit up, which I've done. You know, I'm, I'm not like trying to survive. You know, I'm surviving very well. I'm actually trying to make it better for others that aren't surviving. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beast. I'm, I'm going to eat no matter what. For someone starting a business from scratch, where would you tell them to start? Start with something you love. Don't just do it for money. Find a passion and do it so good. You know, you got to find your dream and Scoop do it so D much Radio. that it becomes your job. And, you know, I've been saying it, it never feels like work. So I don't ever feel like I'm working. <laughs> like right now, I don't have to be working, but I have literally a staff of people working on my dreams all day long. At least eight hours a day, five days a week. But it, it goes way beyond that. Being a boss, I feel like everybody wants to be a boss, and I feel like you were ahead of the curve talking about that. Of course, Rick Ross came out with the song, I'm a boss. But everybody says that they're a boss. And you specifically said you're not a boss if you don't spend your own money. Um, boss and being an owner. Um, That's that, the boss, the owner. What you say? The boss is the owner. I agree. I agree. For you, why don't you sit on money? Why do you keep making more money? I don't really even believe in looking at money. You know, I believe in living and I have a lot of dreams. So I just believe if I sit and look at it, all I'm going to do is pay taxes on. I prefer to put that into something that's going to help my children and fulfill my dreams. And the thing is, I keep dreaming. I'm addicted to dream. That's all I do is dream. You know, and then when I wake up or when I come out of that daydream, I make it happen. I want the dream to be a reality and I want it to happen. I want to choose the quickest path to get there. Sure. But I also want to choose the path that's good for me, not that's going to take any of my soul and my integrity. I got to choose the right path, which means taking different paths. I might go one path, doesn't work. So then I got to try another path. That might not work. Then I got to try another path. And usually the first path doesn't work. It usually takes me to find a bunch of different paths to get to the goal. But it's always about finding that path. So until you find that path, you always have something to do. That's real. I remember watching um, a bunch of your directed and produced movies while I was in college. Um, and I would kind of tell people or paint what to order. I feel like your movie and watching American Gangster show the world what Harlem looked like. Um, I guess my first question is, how much of a pride did you take in introducing Harlem to the world? I mean, it, it's not describable. 
it's unarticulatable to be the person that was able to introduce the Harlem culture and its essence in that way and tell a story like that, or at least an adaptation of the story, one that still carries on 10, 20 years later. So, yeah, I'm always, like, if I had only done that, I could just walk around and wear that as a chip on my shoulder or a feather in my cap and be Mr. Payton full for the rest of my existence. That's how dope and how much, how real that movie is for people. And I see how it's affected culture to this day. But, you know, I expected it to do that. I'm just proud to see something, have a dream, and complete it, and be able to live to enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? To the extent that I have more dreams. No, that's real. And I, and I, I think what you did um, is significant, particularly because when I watched the transition from paid and full, state property too, to even taking a trip further down I-95, I went to undergraduate school in Pennsylvania, and I saw how much, when I was in college, that's when all of the Philadelphia meshing with New York and Northern New Jersey kind of blended at that time when it was hot. I guess my question is... Let me ask you, did you see Honor Up? No. Do me a favor. Subscribe to Dame Dash Studios. Okay. And watch Honor Up. I will. That's the last movie I really directed that I put out. And that's about, that's about you know, things that happen that are very close and, and personal to me. That's real. When you look at films specifically, I mean, people look at gangster movies, they look at all the things you've done, but I feel like you discovered Kevin Hart. Uh, and that, that was actually what I was going to kind of segue to because I feel like a lot of people were checking for, for Kevin Hart. Like, he, I, I realized that he went from being in your film to then being in the Lean Back video. Then he blew up. Scoop B Radio. Yeah, I think, I think I was a good stepping stone. I was the first stepping stone for Kevin. You know, I've given a lot of people the same opportunities I gave Kevin. Kevin was just one of the rare ones that took the opportunity and ran with it. I can't be mad at him for that. And, you know, only thing I could say is like, yo, just, you know, pass an alley-oop every now and again mm-hmm. just because of that. But, you know, he, he's a very hard worker. You know what I mean? Now, sometimes you may not have the same principles and morals about what we do. Right. But he's still successful at what he loves doing. And me being a part of that, you know, I've been a part of that for a lot of people. So it's just, you know, it's like one of those things. Dang. What happened to the Rockbox MP3 player? I couldn't keep up with the development. So, like, you know, when I'm the only person that sees a dream and I'm the only person fighting for it and the person or the people I'm competing with are making a billion dollars and spending, you know, a billion dollars a month in development, I just couldn't keep up with the technology, but the idea was there. Now, had somebody saw it, somebody understood it, you know, other than myself, then I probably could have took it to other levels. But a lot of the things I was doing at Rockefeller with my individual dreams supported by nobody at Rockefeller but me. I do see what you think. And I watched the Last Dance documentary um, back in April. I'm sure you saw it as well. The Michael Jordan Bull, Michael Jordan led Bulls documentary. Yeah. When I watched that documentary and I've always said it, there's the baby. Congratulations on your new child, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, to you and Raquel. So when I watched the Last Dance documentary, um, the Bulls, their plot and that last season, reminded me so much of Rockefeller. Back then, did you see a comparison? And do you see the comparison even more since seeing that documentary? Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, I could see, you know, it's crazy to be winning winning, and people still knocking you, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, still fighting, even when you have proof of concept, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, you, you understand that when you deal with a team, each and every member of that team individually has their own issues and problems, their own life. So, you know, it's more than just one person. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I can see that. We, we definitely caught, took the chip a lot. Yeah, you did. You definitely did. Tell me something. How would Rockefeller stand if you guys would have started today? Today, like me being 50? No. Meaning you guys start your prime now in the age we were when y'all were at your peak. I mean, you know, there's, there's different resources that are available now that I would have the option to exploit. So back then there was no social media, there was no internet, there was no YouTube, there were none of those things. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. You know what I mean? But I just think that where we are today, I'm at the forefront of a lot of those things. So like, let's say I had not been around, a lot of things wouldn't be the way they are now. That's right. That's real. We talked about last dance. I got to ask this question. LeBron or Michael? Say that again? We talked about the last dance in the Chicago Bulls. If you were to start a team today, would you pick LeBron or Michael? Michael, because I like the sneakers better. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. But as, as far as style of play, would you pick Michael or LeBron? I mean, I'm, I'm from the, the age of Michael. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't mad at LeBron. At all. I mean, he's the man. He keeps winning rings. You know, he does his thing. And I also particularly like the way, you know, he is with his kids. So, you know, I love that. But just, you know, it was Michael Jordan. I'm quite sure Michael, I'm sure LeBron would pick Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? True, true. You know what I mean? And, and, and he's not the person I like the most as a person. You know what I'm saying? But it's still the essence of who he was and what he meant as a child to me. And again, what, what supersedes all of that is the rings. $500 million in contract dollars or seven championships? Say that again? If you choose $500 million in contract dollars or seven championships? Seven championships. I'm going to make $500 million per championship. That's real. And answer everything. I'm going to make way more. I'll make a billion every time. Chopped cheese or Philly cheesesteak? I'm vegan. I like that answer. Um, growing up in Harlem, hearing all the stories um, that you heard, we talked about paid in full, but I'm curious to know, because you are so big on brands and you're so big on your style, what was the first time that you encountered a mom-pop store in Harlem that you remembered and you fell in love with that experience? I mean, we used to like going to Mark 125 a lot when that was open. So, I mean, it was like in Harlem, we were stunting. So, whatever, it was all mom and pop. So, going to Willie Burgers was going to a mom and pop. Mm-hmm. And, being, you know, I made a movie about that whole scene. That was a big thing in my life. Um, you know, going to Willie Burger after the rooftop or after the rink, you know, and just seeing all those cars and, and, and watching Brucey, you know, kick the priest selling tapes on the corner. Like, I saw all that. Like, week after week for like a year or two, three. You know, whatever the one was. You have been on shows like Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. How would you introduce a guy from Harlem growing up the way that you did therapy? The way I'm introducing it on my network, and again, you got to order it so you know, you know how, how 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 you know revolutionary this is. I will I have healing is gangster. So you know, we basically do public therapy, and um, you know, we lost we lost a baby a year ago at seven months that we get therapy so people could learn from us healing. 
I understand that you know shit happens to everybody, but you got to deal with it and how to deal with it in, in real time. So the thing about therapy is that um, thank you. I going to do Spanish lessons. Um, the thing about therapy is the study of therapy comes from people, and black people don't go to therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's a study of other culture. So when a black person finally does go to get therapy, they're not getting the right therapy because it's not from the study of black people. So that's what needs to change as it relates to therapy and how to approach it. I like that. And I feel like a lot of people of color are kind of scared to go to therapy because they don't, they don't trust and they don't just want to let out their feelings to people because they're so guarded. And I feel like um, in hip hop, because we own the message, we have to do a better job of getting that message out. And it seems that you're doing that with that, with what you just said. Absolutely. Um, about recognizing unrecognized trauma. Yeah. Do to survive, you know, it's our normal, but it's really traumatizing and it affects the trajectory of our life when we're adults. So it's about recognizing the things that fuck with you young and how they fuck with you now and dealing with that, confronting it sometimes, even if it means going a little dark. But sometimes you have to go to the dark to get to the light. Do you still listen to hip hop music today? Yeah. The new artists? Yeah, some of them. You know, like if my something catches my, you know, it's usually like people around me what they're listening to. So I'll catch something that I like. You know, I don't really be looking for it per se. But, you know, hip hop is about the experiences that are happening in the generation, you know, that's like, you know, four years prior to mine or, or three. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to judge or even understand what's going on in the concrete. I've been removed from it in the last 25 years. Compassion for a year, but I don't know how these kids are surviving right now. It's a lot tougher because, you know, when I was coming up, rappers weren't also having bodies and shit like that. Like, a beach record wasn't after like someone got killed. You know what I mean? Like, if, if death happened, it would be peace for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, seeing an artist go to jail is like part of the game because the artists now are so real. They're really in it, you know? And it's sad to see how tough these kids have to be right now to survive. What they have to consider cool you know, to, to protect themselves. Yeah, because I feel like Takashi Six Nine is the antithesis of what your era was. Did, was did you do you not, not to hit you up? But I'm curious to know, like, how would someone like him fit in your era? Next question. <laughs> That's real. Your top MCs of all time. You know, I like Rakim. I like Nas. I like OC, you know, I like Buster Rhymes. Um, you know, the people that are skillful, it doesn't necessarily mean I listen to them all day. So, like, I know Eminem is dead nice, but he's not on my butters, on my, any of my playlists. It's not, like, one record that I desire. Really. But lyrically, I know he's dead nice. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's like my thing is what I like to listen to the most. And, uh, you know, records. It's all Biggie Smalls, of course. You know, I still listen to all of that. But I like artists like Jeb Rock, you know what I mean? Like, and that's just because of how old I am. You know what I mean? Joe Button was a brief Rockefeller signing. Mm-hmm. What did you see in him even back then? He needed help. They weren't treating him fairly. And 
I had liked the fact back then that he was never scared to battle anybody. And he could eat a rap. You know? So he was they were they weren't getting him by the Dev Jam, he could rap. He seemed like a good guy. He didn't show any fear in his lyrics. You know, so I tried to help him out. That's true. Um and he was at he was at Dev Jam. So like what happened is if I like somebody at Dev Jam and they because usually people would complain, like, oh they doing this, that, and that, like just come with us. So that's what I did. You know. When I look at him, um, like so for example, you look at Elliot Wilson, he's a journalist that went into the digital space. Comparatively, when you look at Joe Budden, he's the artist that went into the digital space, has the podcast, all intellectual property. It kind of reminds me of watching Shaq, Ernie, Kenny on Thursdays on TNT because he has the war stories um, as as the artist that now transitioned into that media space or that, that, that color commentator space. From the digital space, do you think that there, what do you think of just how he's been able to capitalize off of his brand and his intellectual property? I'm not really thinking about him at all. But I can just tell you that, um, you know, whoever's doing what they need to do as far as owning their stuff. Like people, I've been doing this. I've been doing the interviews with Kenyatta about six years ago. It's about if you're a celebrity, people are going to listen to what you have to say. So mm-hmm. a celebrity having a normal conversation with another celebrity is easy money. It's easy to do. So, you know, I've always led by example by doing that. So I'm glad people are doing it. But I, I honestly, like, I'm not the kind of guy that just looks at another dude all day and be wondering what he's doing. I, I'm just happy that they're doing well. If they're, not, if they're not breaking bread with me. It's hard for me to, like, look at the business model or anything. You know what I mean? Be happy they're doing well. No, that's real. What, tell me something. The, the financials of hip-hop. Uh, when I look at hip-hop, I feel like it seems to me it's less money than it was when you guys were in it. No, that's not true. There's more money. There's more ways to make money now. Okay. So, you know, this this on the top, you know, the old way of doing things, you know, it's 2020. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same way it was in 1990. So if you're stuck in the 1990 way, yeah, you're going to be fucked. And it, like I was talking to Waka Faka the other day, and he was pulling my coat for so many things I didn't know about how to make money off of the internet. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, I'm not from that generation. So I'm listening. So I just think if you are tapped in, you know exactly how. Like either way, I mean it's fucked up right now. All music because of the pandemic, you can't perform. But mm-hmm. if, way, if you can fill up the garden and you can sell merch, you gonna make a hell of a lot of money, no matter what. And that's all that counts is understanding the business model. Dan, the thing that I thought was cool right, when you got the deal with Procats, um, and I feel like for a I lot, didn't, of- I didn't get the deal. I gave them a deal. So let me rephrase that. Yeah. Your partnership, well, is that a fair assessment? Your partnership with ProCads? It wasn't even a partnership. I was fucking licensed there. You know, I was trying to buy it. Okay. So we weren't doing well. And they're, think about this. They're people that make factories and all that to make sneakers. They licensed it to me. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm paying them a royalty. And what was supposed to happen was, like, at the time, like, the brand was doing, like, $8 million a year. So I'm like, if the brand's doing $8 million a year, cool. But if mm-hmm. it gets anything over $8 million, we got to bust that down. Right. That's far as the worth. And it didn't roll out that way. They were trying to make me, it, just, it wasn't a good deal. But it was me being excited about having access to my own sneaker brand. 
What advice could you give Master P and Baron Davis on what they're doing or trying to do with Reebok? I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> You're trying to buy Reebok. Again, I don't know what that entails. So, you know, there's so many ways to get to something. I don't know what path they're taking. I don't know how real that is. As far as like, because Adidas, I don't even, again, I, I don't really get into people's business. Like that. <laughs> if they can, get, they can make that happen, I'd be really happy to see it. Your, your business in the past, you've had art galleries, uh, the video machine, creative control, and streaming service with Damon Dash Studios. Curveball question. You're always, preach, you're always preaching direct to consumer. What would a sports guy like me be able to gain from using the business model? Say it again. Would a guy like you do what? Sports guy like me. I'm a yeah. journalist. What would a sports guy like me gain from using your business model of direct to consumer? I mean, it's the same thing. If you're a brand and you have ancillary things, you have to sell it to them. So if right. you know you're consumer, you sell it to them directly. So you have to have your octopus, like what your brand means, the ancillary things that stem off of it. And, you know, those things are available to be sold direct to consumer. So if you had, a, if you, had you know, if you did a sports doc or if you, you know, made turtlenecks or glasses or whatever it is that you're known for or, you know, those type of things. It should always be about having at least eight streams or streams of, uh, of uh, money um, brand. You know what I mean? So not depending on just one. So if you're just depending on podcasts or just depending on one stream, if that shit gets fucked up, we need to have the other five to at least be able to be you know compensated for that. Because things don't always go right 100% of the time. It doesn't happen. You know? That's real. Last question. I talked to Mark Cuban recently, um, and we talked about the what's next. I value you a lot because of your, your insight. Respectfully, I value him for his insight, particularly on you guys being able to, to capitalize or to know what the next is. What is the next in digital? What I'm doing. Being able to consume and buy while you're being entertained. You know? That's what it is. Yes, bro. Brother, thank you so much for your, your I time. Terrestrial television works as well. I was going to launch it this week, but I wasn't ready. But I'm launching in New York. Well, actually, LA, Atlanta, Charleston, and then New York. If I can get a, 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 a spot, another ads, you know. I got to put an ad team together right now. That's the real big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, thank you for your time. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And this is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. 
No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.